Hello and welcome to another episode of the Common Man's Take on Sports with Kevin and Quentin. Alright, so today um, there's a couple of significant things that I want to talk about. The first topic is um, a couple of days ago the Nebraska women's volleyball team had a sporting event uh, at the football stadium, the Memorial Stadium, and so they broke the women's sports attendance record by having 92,003 fans show up to watch the five-time NCAA volleyball champion uh, beat Omaha three to nothing. And so that's pretty significant because the um, it was a paid event, so which means all 92,000 people there paid for tickets. So they wanted to be there. So that's a lot of support for the uh, women's volleyball team there in Nebraska. And that's pretty cool to have 92,000 fans show up to a volleyball game, right? Yeah. So the record that they beat, <clears throat> the previous uh, record was 91,648 set on April 22nd of last year in Barcelona, Spain for a Champions League match between FC Barcelona and Wolfsburg. So, um, that's pretty cool. That was 91,000 people who showed up for a um, football or soccer game. So that's kind of cool, but, uh, you know, that's pretty significant to uh, have that many people show up for a, uh, not just a ladies volleyball game, but a, a sport like that, you know, volleyball that we don't think about most of the time, you know, it's a sport people watch. Clearly, people watch it. 92,000 people watched it, right? Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, I just wanted to share that for those of you who didn't know uh, that Nebraska women's team had uh, broke that record for female sports attendance to a game, any game of any sport. So the next thing I want to talk about is also a significant accomplishment, and it is Ronald Okuna Jr. So we've, we've kind of been going over the Braves here lately and uh, for good reason because they're they're playing well and Ronald Acuna Jr. is one of the reasons they're playing well. However, what I want to talk about with him is that he is the first player in Major League Baseball history to hit 30 home runs and steal 60 bags in a single season. That's pretty significant. 30 home runs and 60 bags. That's uh, that's pretty good. I know that uh, he is definitely a good player. He's been a very good player for the Braves um, since he's been there. Um, I think that we're looking at probably one of the best players in baseball right now at this kid. Um, right now he is for this for this season. I just kind of go over his stats here real quick. Uh, he's got 616 plate appearances with 537 at-bats. He's hit 120 runs, which I'm pretty sure leads baseball right now. He has 181 hits. Um, he has 30 home runs, 83 RBIs, 62 stolen bases. Um, he has a... 
uh, batting average of 337 up to this point in the season. He's played 133 games up to this point. His on-base percentage is .419. Slugging percentage is 574. His OPS is 992. Uh, man, he is having one outstanding season. Like he's 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 the front runner for the MVP right now. Um, I can't see anybody who's um, showing out better than him currently. Like that's that's pretty significant. That's that's. Uh, Besides you know, Matt Olson. That's elite numbers right now that he's putting up. Um, we can take a look at, at Matt Olson, but I don't think Matt Olson has stolen 62 bags. <laughs> oh, 30. He's, he's hit 30 homers. He's hit more than 30, but uh, Ronald, Ronald Acuna Jr. Is, is definitely having a season for the books right now. Um, absolutely. Um, he's just putting up some crazy stats so that's that's pretty significant pretty good for him um, so Matt Matt Olson's not far behind him um, not with the stolen bases of course but uh, so you know your Olson has 596 play appearances with 503 at bats um, he has 103 runs which is still pretty good 135 hits he has 43 home runs, 112 RBIs, which you can't <laughs> you can't take away from that either. Like that's pretty pretty good. Also, he has one stolen base, so there's obviously one place where uh, Acuna is better than him. So here's here's what separates Olson from Acuna right here. Olson's batting average is 268. So, you know he's that's that's decent. You know you. You like your your star players to be, you know, two seventy or above, but two two sixty eight's decent. Like that's that's good enough. You got Ronald Okuna Jr. putting up those numbers and his batting average is three thirty seven. So um, I think that's what sets him apart from Olsen right now. Um, slugging percentage or I'm oh, sorry, excuse me, on base percentage, uh Olsen's 376, and what was Okuna, uh, you know, 419. Uh, you know, that this is where Okuna is separating himself from Olsen. Slugging percentage, 584, um, 574, so it's, it's pretty close right there. OPS for uh, Olsen's uh, 960, and Okuna was uh, 992, so... You know, a little bit of separation there, but you're, I mean, total bases, Olsen has 294, and Ronald Acuna Jr. has 308. Um, it's, he's, he's having a season for the books, for sure. Um, he's definitely uh, showing out and, and just looking really, really good right now. If they stay healthy, I'm telling you, Quentin, I just don't see anybody who's going uh, th there might be some teams that, are, that give the Braves some good games in the playoffs but probably yeah. man if they can keep these guys healthy I'm telling you I don't I don't know if there's anybody who's going to beat them in the playoffs if they stay hot like this especially Olsen and Okuna Jr. because the rest of the team seems to, seems to feed off of those two 
And, you know, when those two are killing it, like everybody else just seems to fall in line, you know, and those two are definitely killing it. And their, and their pitching isn't isn't horrible either. You know, it's it's good enough that the runs they're getting from the offense, you know, supporting the pitching has is, is been, you know, on par. So uh, the Braves look good. Man, they look really good. Uh, and their two superstars are, are killing it right now. Probably. So. They're probably, arguably, the best duo in uh, baseball this year. I mean, I can't think of another one right now that would uh, rival them currently. I'm sure I could go through some stats and find some guys close, but, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to argue with you there either. Uh, It's definitely... they're definitely a formidable duo, um, just the way that they're playing and what they're doing. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, always, and it <laughs> pains me to say this, but yeah, everybody better watch out for the Braves. The Braves are they're killing it right now, um, for sure. There's there's no doubt. Um, I saw that. Your predictions becoming more and more true for the uh, playoffs there about the Cubs because they beat the Reds today, which just created a little more separation between them and the Reds in that division. So I told right you. now it looks like the Cubs are going to make it. Yep, they're leading 2-1 to one in the bottom of the fifth against the Reds right now. I feel like there's a comeback in the Reds right now. No, <laughs> there's no comeback in the works. Um, no. Uh, so moving on, you know, college football has started. It started last night. I watched a little bit of that Florida-Utah game. Utah is just what I thought the hair defense is going to be stout this year. Um, again, I think USC is going to struggle against Utah, at least for right now. What I've seen of USC, I'm going to try to catch their game again tomorrow. Just to see what it looks like, but uh, yeah, I uh, if it, uh, if they don't fix that defense, man, like it's they're whew, boy, <laughs> they're gonna Utah might uh, hand it to them again this year. Like U, Utah's defense was stout against Florida, the Florida Gators. Um, it isn't. It's not like Florida doesn't have some athletes on that team, man. But that that Utah defense was smothering. So, I think Utah is going to be the class of the uh, Pac-12 this year for sure. They're going to be one of those teams on top again. Uh, their offense looked, you know, like it normally does. It's, it's run heavy, but, uh, you know, they did, uh, they did what they needed to do to win the game. So, uh, I think that uh, they they proved exactly what, uh, what I knew. They're, they're going to be tough. Uh, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, to be honest with you, everybody's picking USC to make the playoff out of the division. Man, I would not be surprised if Utah sneaks. If Utah's the first team out of the, the Pac-12 to sneak into a playoff spot because they go undefeated in the Pac-12 and win the Pac-12 championship again this year, I, I would not be surprised if Utah made the playoff before USC did. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what do you think? 
Um. Well, I do think that um, Utah, if Utah is the first Pac-12 team to reach the playoff, and uh, before USC, that mm-hmm. that wouldn't be surprising to me. That would not be surprising to me. Not at all be surprising to me because last year was just it. Last year's Pac-12 championship was just it just didn't work out in USC's favor. No, that smothering defense by Utah uh, killed them, and then you know Utah took advantage of those stops they got and they scored. And then, you know, of course, you know, you're not going to hold a Lincoln Riley offense down for long, but the, the problem was USC couldn't get stops, so they were behind, playing from behind. And so, um, the, uh, you know, Utah just owned them in that Pac 12 championship. So, um, that's, uh, I, I think right now, you know, things could change, that USC defense could get better. But right now, from what I can see, uh, Utah is the class of the Pac-12 currently. Now, tomorrow we'll get to see Oregon play a little bit uh, and a couple other uh, teams in the Pac-12. We'll kind of see what they look like. But um, if I had to, I'm, I'm not like all these talking heads on the sports networks. If I had to take my pick right now, I'm picking Utah to come out of the Pac-12. That, that's my my pick based off what I've seen this far. Again, it might change um, as the season goes along, but currently that's what I see and, and what what my my assessment is for them. So uh, that's kind of what I see. Uh, what do you think? Um, for me, if I had to pick also, it would probably be uh. Maybe, maybe Oregon, but I think right now it would be Utah. But maybe Oregon, but yeah, I, I agree. Oregon can jump in that conversation for sure. Washington, Washington was good last year. They could jump in that conversation. For yeah, sure I forgot. Too. Yeah, I forgot about Washington. Yeah, yeah, they could jump in that conversation. Yeah, right now I just think they're the class of the uh, Pac-12, and I just don't. Uh, I don't think that uh, there's a question about it currently. So we'll see how that plays out when the season goes. I'm excited tomorrow to watch my Wolverines play uh, East Carolina. Not super happy about the Jim Harbaugh Harbaugh suspension. However, uh, it's only three games. Yeah. Well, if you if you wanted him suspended for any three games, it would be these three because you know they're gonna. The one thing that, that worries me is uh, Strone Moore will also be out, and he's the play caller, but I have confidence in Mike Hart um, to be able to call that offense, so I don't think that – I think they'll be fine. Um, the The good thing is Jim and Sharon Moore are able to help them prepare – all week long, so you know, obviously, they're going to get together and put that game plan together. And then, all Mike Hart and uh, Jesse Mentor and the rest of the staff, Steve Queen's going to have to do is just you know, execute that game plan. And I think they will, I think Michigan will win handily, no problem. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch them, so 
decided to watch a lot of football tomorrow. <laughs> All weekend, actually, for Labor Day weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to watch that LSU-Florida State game. I'm ready to watch that uh, Clemson-Duke game on Monday night. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for some football. Oh. Um, so, moving on. Um, I yeah, no, go ahead. I thought, I thought their offensive, co- I thought their backup offensive coordinator was supposed to be head coach. T- next game, UNLV. Oh yeah, Trey yes, Moore will yes. be a head coach against UNLV. Uh, no, they. And then against uh, the game after UNLV. Um, I'd have to look. I can't remember who they play, but that's when. Uh, oh, but Bowling Green. So Bowling Green, uh, Jay Harbaugh and Mike Hart will both split the uh, head coaching duties in that game. One will coach the first half, the other will go coach the second half. That's how they played it out. J.C. Mitchell will be head coach tomorrow. Sheryl Moore will be head coach against UNLV, and then Mike Hart and Jay Harbaugh will split the duties uh, against Bowling Green. And then Jim will be back against uh, the Rutgers, their first game. Yeah. Yeah, back against Rutgers for their first Big Ten matchup. So that's how that's gonna gonna go. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here watching this Michigan State uh, Central Michigan game, and Central Michigan just just stopped Michigan State on a fourth and one. And then literally ran the ball down the field and scored on them. So it's not seven and three Central Michigan. And I just can't tell you how happy I am to see that score. <laughs> and see Mel Tucker's face on that sideline. <laughs> uh, anyway, I throw that in there. Yeah, we're watching some games tonight. Uh, but <clears throat> uh, moving on. I uh, I do think that uh, Big Ten is going to be a three-team race in the East between Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. I honestly think we could almost have kind of the same scenario we had in 2016 when each team beat the other one, and it's just going to come down to a tiebreaker between the three. Um, the 2016, you know, I don't, you were a little young for that season there. You were like two years old, but... Uh, Michigan beat Penn State uh, early in the season. They they mollywopped them pretty good. And then uh, Penn State turned around and beat Ohio State later in the season on a blocked field goal uh, attempt that they scored on. And then Ohio State turned around and beat Michigan last game of the season. So they had a three-way tie. So by default, uh, Penn State got the... Uh, Big Ten Championship bid from the East. Um, and that's still the only Big Ten Championship James Franklin has been to. I mean, I believe they won it that year, too. They beat uh, Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. But, yeah, I, I think we could almost have a scenario like that again this year where uh, it's going to be a tough sled in between those three. They've all three looked pretty tough. Yeah. Big, Big Ten West, I'm not sure about. Everybody's picking Iowa. Um, watching Cade McNamara... As a Michigan fan, he is a good quarterback. He makes good decisions with the football most of the time. He does get into situations sometimes where he tries to um, force the ball in uh, to 
uh, coverages that he shouldn't, but for the most part, he, he takes care of the ball, makes good decisions with it, with it. However, he does come with his limitations, right? Um, he's yeah. not a scrambler. Uh, if if you if you bring the rush, he's he's not extending a play. He's not getting away. Like you're you're going to sack him. And I think a lot of teams figured that out his second year at Michigan. Like if you if you bring the pressure, Cade McNamara is not very good under pressure. So that's uh, that's one of his downfalls. And you know he's not very athletic, but uh, he's the short uh, to medium passes. He's pretty decent. He's not much on the long ball. Uh, but you don't really need the long ball if, if you can, you know, uh, nickel and dime your way down the field with short passes. And, of course, Iowa's a run-heavy team anyway, so you know they're going to pound that football in there and then get you with a play action here and there, you know, for like a short pass or something. They use their tight – they're like Michigan. They use their tight ends a lot. Uh, so, you know, you'll see a lot of uh, tight end plays where they'll uh, – pretend like they're going to block and then they'll break out into coverage and be, you know, open, you know, streaking down the field there. So I think Iowa does have a chance to be better this year. Wisconsin has a chance to be a little bit better under uh, Luke Fickle. Uh, Minnesota obviously beat Nebraska uh, the other night. That, now that game, I, I didn't get to watch it live. I had to watch it on the replay on the uh, Big Ten Network. But, however, uh, that was a very good game. Uh, good comeback by Minnesota. And, uh, man, what an ending to that game on the field go at the end. The, the interception uh, that Minnesota got, the Nebraska threw, and then they turned around and kicked the field goal to win the game. That, that's what a game. I, I enjoyed watching that game, uh, watching the replay of that game. That was... Uh, that was a pretty intense game for most of the way. Most of the way, it was pretty close. So, uh, yeah, wow, what a game. Yeah. So, I <clears throat> uh, definitely enjoyed watching that game. But, yeah, I don't know. The West is going to be the Big Ten West. They're, uh, you know, not the greatest. So, we'll see what happens there. SEC, I still think that it's Georgia and then uh, – the SEC West is stacked. LSU, Alabama, you know, every once in a while, Auburn jumps up. Uh, Ole Miss sometimes, uh, Mississippi State. You know, you, you got you got your teams that jump up and have, you know, good seasons and maybe get a win against Alabama or LSU. So we'll see what happens over on that side of the SEC. Big 12, I'm still unsure about. We'll have to see. What happens there? Um, right now, I'm just going to go with the TCU or Kansas State until I can see some of their games to see what happens with uh, some of those other teams. Like I said before, I'm just not buying Texas. I just, you, you gotta. <laughs> Everybody keeps saying Texas is back, and I have yet to see Texas do anything of significance. So until they do, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying into them. Uh, well, I, I'll have to see. Um, what says you? Okay, uh, the SEC West, I think the SEC West is also stacked. Mm-hmm. Alabama, LSU, sometimes Auburn, sometimes. Um... 
um, the SEC East, you have Georgia. Georgia's always been that dominant team in the SEC East. Nope. Well. Everybody seems to think Tennessee is going to be good this year. They might. I just don't know if they're good enough to beat Georgia yet. Georgia is is and has proven the last few years to be on another level. Um, so that's a wait and see for me as far as Tennessee goes. They, they could jump in there. After watching Utah, you know, uh, dominate Florida, I definitely don't think Florida's there yet. Um, actually, I, I like the fact that Florida lost to Utah because there was a couple of recruits Michigan was trying to get. Uh, they committed to Florida, so if Florida continues to lose, they might be able to flip those recruits later. So uh, I'm good with Florida losing. I hope they continue to lose. <laughs> That's always a good thing, uh, especially when you're recruiting battles. Uh, but anyway... Um, I do think, um, I do also want Florida to, Florida to lose. Um, I also want Florida State to lose. Florida State? <laughs> I want Florida State yeah. to lose. I don't, I don't have anything against Florida State. Um, I do want LSU to win the first game, though, just because my wife is an LSU fan. And she is from the area. She is from New Orleans, so yes, she's she's an LSU fan, and so uh, LSU and Michigan never play, so I don't I don't have anything against LSU. I would like to win that first game, but after that first game, I, I don't. If, Flo- if Florida State goes on a, a tear and wins every game after that, uh, it wouldn't make any difference one way or the other. Is that why you want Florida State to lose because they're playing LSU and that's your mama's team? Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's because I don't want them to beat Clemson and go to the ACC championship game. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. I don't know if they're good enough to do that yet. Um, Clemson is still the class of the ACC as far as I'm concerned. That's Again, that's one of those things where you're going to... you Somebody in the ACC has to knock Clemson off before I'm going to write them off. Um, they're always tough. Dabo always seems to find a way to win. So I don't I'm and I think they're gonna be better this year for it. I think Club Kate Cade Klubnik, man, I almost couldn't get that out. <laughs> Kate Club Klubnik um will have a better year this year after getting some of that starting experience towards the end of the year last year. I think he'll he'll be better in that offensive scheme. You know, it's always better when you have a year experience. I think J.J. McCarthy will be better this year for Michigan just because he had a full year last year in their offensive scheme. I think he'll be more comfortable. There's times last year where I think he was uncomfortable in the offense, and you could tell it. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's going to be less this year. I think he's going to be way more comfortable in that offense. And I think that's that's going to be, you know, a great, great thing for Michigan, obviously. So, um But uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that. I think Clemson wins the ACC again this year. I, I don't think anybody's going to beat them. I just don't. Go ahead. 
Um, yeah, I do think that Florida State needs maybe two or three more years to get to the level where they can actually compete with Clemson mm-hmm. for an ACC title or to get in the conversation for an ACC title. Okay. Um, you know, I think if Michigan, if Michigan wins the Big Ten, it'd be a race for second in the Big Ten um, East. Nobody cares about second. <laughs> Only but first. It sure looks like Ohio State does. I do think that uh, Michigan could get New Michigan. Uh, the Big Ten could get two teams in again this year. Honestly, uh, this could be a year where you see two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. Um, you know this is the last year for the 14 playoff, too. I'm yeah. pretty sure next year the playoff expands to eight, I believe. i got to go back and check, but I believe it expands to eight next year. This is the last year for four. So... Only one more year for every single team, mm-hmm. except uh, the. Uh, so this may be the year where you see an all Big Ten, all SEC playoff. I think you could potentially have Alabama and Georgia and Michigan and Ohio State in the playoff. I think you could probably have um, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU. Mm-hmm. That's true. Very true. I so although I hope LSU does beat Alabama again and make it uh, into the SEC championship in the playoff, um, I am leaning towards Alabama like I am Clemson just because I think that they're going to uh, have a better year this year. I, I think Alabama will definitely be back. Uh, dominating in the SEC. But we'll see what happens. I, I think LSU's going to be good, too. I, I told you earlier, I think that's going to be a tough game in November. Between those two, I think the for right now, the easy games between those two are over. It's going to be a uh, tough game. It's going to be... If the rivalries. Yeah. The gonna, rivalry is back. I think it's going to come back down to the uh, last possession again, like it did last year. It came down to the last possession last year. I think it will again this year. So, one last thing I'd like to go over before we end this show. So, I did see where the ACC has agreed to add Stanford, California, and SMU to their conference next year. Yep. So, once again, I'm telling you, watch. These, these conferences are creating these super conferences with these moneymakers and I'm telling you, they are. I would not. It would not surprise me in the future to see uh, the top three or four uh, conferences just disassociate themselves from the NCA and create their own governing body, and just basically tell the NCA, "We don't need you. You need us," and walk away from them and their roles and have their own governing body. I I think that it is moving in that direction, honestly. I really do. And I think in the next, you know, four or five years, you're going to see that with all this realignment. 
just my opinion, my take on that. Um, I really think that's the direction that college sports are going. Uh, no, for me, it's I'm not really I'm I'm not really happy about this because um, you know ever since USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon joined the Big Ten, I thought everything was. Uh, ah, going, going to be done. No, it ain't over. I I can tell you I right feel now, like it's, it's over. It's not over. It's it's nowhere near over. I can tell you right now. I won't. They're, I, they're going to continue. I'm telling you, watch. This is their way of creating their own governing body. They're going to pull in as many teams as they can because they're going to start their own uh, organization with their own governing body. It's coming. It is coming. That's why this is all going on. That That's why. The, the realignment's not done. I promise you it's not done. It's going to continue. It's an arms race right now for the big conferences. Yeah, it's not done. I feel like it's done. I feel like college football is now changing to um, to a living nightmare right now. Living nightmare? Why? I don't think it's a living I, nightmare. I, I, I think it's great because I, if it's if it's going the direction that I'm saying it's going, I think it's great because they're. The NCAA is a joke anyway. They're, they they enforce what they want to enforce. They enforce it on the teams they want to enforce it on. You know, you see some teams get away with murder. And then you see other teams that they, they don't like. They just hammer them. And there's no consistency with how and why the NCAA enforces the rules that they enforce. And I think this is the colleges taking that into their own hands and creating their own... Uh, governing bodies so they don't have to uh, live under the NCAA's hypocrisy anymore. I think it's going to be great if they do it. I think it's moving that direction. I think it's still four or five years, maybe even longer off, but I think it's going in that direction. You do put up a good, solid argument there. Uh But I feel like Go ahead. Uh, no, but I feel like, for me, I feel like that this is, I feel like it's the wrong move right now. Mm. Because I, I feel like they're ruining college football. Really? You do? Uh, yeah. Because of, uh, because with these, uh, months... Once the Pac-12 is done, I feel like everything's done. Interesting. Pac-12 is done, boss. They're not getting any teams, and they're they they're still losing teams. I don't. I think they have four teams left. To be honest. Don't don't they still have Oregon State? Oregon. I, I think so. Four teams. They have four teams left. If I'm not mistaken. But, they lost everybody else. Everybody else is moving next year. 
both of them, those oh. four teams need to find a conference. You know what? Let me tell these four teams, if you guys are listening, join the Big Ten. <laughs> they'll, they'll take you. Well, the Big Ten would have to invite them to come over there. But, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to reach out to them. Yeah. You never know. Or the SEC, they'll take you. SEC, yeah, they'll take anybody. Um, they'll take anybody, make their conference more competitive. Yeah. Last thing I want to cover before we end the show is, so I did see where Major League Baseball is keeping the pitch clock and the pitch clock rules for the playoffs. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I'm glad they're keeping those rules. I think it's uh, definitely a good thing. Uh, I actually... I think I, I mentioned it on an earlier podcast. I'm okay with the pitch clock. I think it's been good for baseball. Uh, honestly, I, I haven't seen a difference other than the games are a little faster. But to be honest, it's only about an average of 30 minutes. So really nothing's changed. Everything's still pretty much the same. The only thing it does is it forces the batter and, and the pitcher to get ready just a little bit faster than before. But other than that, I mean... I haven't seen any change in baseball games. I haven't seen any change in pitching, batting. Everything seems the same to me. So um, I'm glad they're keeping the pitch clock and the rules for the playoffs. I think the pitch clock, like Max Scherzer said, it's rising pitchers' injuries. Max Scherzer? Yeah, Max Scherzer. It's it's rising pitch, p- pitchers' injuries. And, uh, I, I haven't seen one injury this year. That's not a normal pitcher injury that they were already getting anyway. Oh, don't worry. It will soon happen. <laughs> or you'll soon be wrong again. No, fine. <laughs> I wasn't wrong about the MLB standings. I wasn't wrong about the standings. I was not wrong about the standings, so I'm not going to be wrong about the pitch clock. All right, all right. All right, that'll conclude our show for today. Uh, We thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. And we will see you next time on the Common Man's Take on Sports.